We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the show. It's Abby Nation Sports Talk. It's Tuesday. We're up and rolling. He's Jesse Styers. I'm Sean Styers, senior, junior, whatever you want to call us. There's just one thing I've got to say. DK, do your effing job. Time to go. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to talk a little offense on today's show. Um, We're going to talk a little bit of uh, Jim Harbaugh later in the show. We'll talk a little bit of Texas A&M, Jimbo Fisher, the whole thing. I do have to say I'm a little confused by this comment from GodZThumbZ22. Hopefully no crunching on mic today for Sean. It kills me hearing someone eating in my ear. I have no idea what you're talking about. I have never eaten on this show. (laughs) Jesse, have you ever seen me eat on this show? No, I haven't. Hopefully you're not having a microphone crunching issue. I feel like if that were the case, you'd get more feedback on that. I would think so as well. I so I I'm 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 baffled. No idea. Like if if there's some sort of noise that my microphone is making that I don't know about, let me know. But otherwise, I have no clue. No clue at all. Are you uh are you fired up? Do you have your whiteboard ready to go over there? I do. I got about four. I think I got four boards ready. Does that sound right? Yeah, four boards. Okay. Four boards are ready. Okay. Uh, before we get into the offense and the football, women's basketball had a signing today. I'm not sure exactly why it took almost a week after everybody else, but Kate Koval, the six foot five post player, number five ranked player in the 2024 class, number one post player in the class officially signed with Notre Dame today. She was the New York Gatorade Player of the Year last year. And she reminds me a little bit of the big from Virginia Tech, Elizabeth Kitley, just based on some of the like the highlights and you know video and stuff that I've seen of her. 6'5 post, who can uh, also step outside a little bit, a little bit of range uh, with her shot. But um, they have been, you know, of... Like what Neil Neil Ivy's recruiting has been off the charts great, but it has predominantly been guards. So they have a a post player that they're bringing in next year. So that's pretty exciting. If only she could just enter the lineup right now. (laughs) I mean, the way the last few years have gone, maybe she could. They just bring her right in, roll, you know, and let her graduate at semester. And that's what I mean. Get her in here like Kassan Prosper did. Yes, earlier. get some depth at the bigs, get some experience at the bigs with your young guards. I don't see anything wrong with that. Yeah, I don't either. I don't either. Well, what we're talking about today, though, is Notre Dame's offense and Notre Dame as in the football team's offense, not men's or women's basketball. They, uh, you know, the, the national statistics say that they're a pretty good offense when, when you look across the board and 78 Total points, though, against Clemson, Louisville, Duke, and Ohio State, the four best defenses that they've played, 19 and a half points per game. And when you look, you know, like you could say, well, you know, what about what about Pittsburgh or USC? They put these points on the board. Well, 47 total touchdowns Notre Dame has scored 
this season. So, you know, again, officially the national scoring offense rankings put them at number 16 with 47 total touchdowns, but not all of them actually come from the offense. They have 20 rushing touchdowns, 21 passing touchdowns. That's a lot of extra help from the 20 turnovers forced by the defense and uh, three special teams touchdowns as well. Um, how would you describe this this offense, Jess? Like what we've seen of it in the last month or so, month, month and a half? I would say... I would say stubbornly stagnant would be the best way <laughs> to describe the offense over the last month. And I think it's – I thought about this some more, and I wish I didn't because it's it's something that's like keeps consuming me, and I feel like I don't want to keep, you know, beating this this issue up. But to me, it's, it's the most glaring issue that this team has. And, I, you know, like I said, when I was thinking about it, you know, since the last – last week's show specifically like Tuesday and Thursday, or I think I did Monday, Wednesday, Thursday last week is I feel like Jared Parker, his first four games were great because they were playing against competition. That, that allowed them to be great. <laughs> yeah, it's obviously not going to be as good as Ohio state, Louisville, Duke and Clemson in terms of defenses. Like that's, that's obviously a gimme, but to me that feeds more into the, my next point is, why didn't you do more of if you're showing one thing on film against crappy teams to have counter punches later in the season ready to go? Yeah, that you're playing. Why are you not? Why are you just putting up, on film and doing the exact same? Yeah, thing why are, why are you not yeah. teeing up things for later down the road? I guess that's that might be my biggest frustration. Again, when thinking about thinking about this, because again, you know that the, your front of the schedule, that first block, is a lot weaker than that middle block that you're going to play. So as a head coach, you have to realize that you're going to have success against some of these lesser teams like Navy, you know, a, a D1 or an FCS opponent, um, you know, Central Michigan. And then your first real test being NC State, you know, a true power five team. Again, I just you can't get away with showing that stuff and not having counter punches lined up for later in the season. I completely agree. Like we've talked about self-scout and the whole thing and you can't just keep doing the same thing over and over and really like even and we're gonna we're gonna hear some of marcus freeman's comments here in just a minute there were you know kind of some contradictions over basically over the last few weeks in terms of what he says he wants this offense to look like and you know we'll, we'll get to that in just a second but l let me just ask you this simple question kind of based on what you were just talking about they have they're they're out of the stretch now where the best defenses they're going to play are behind them. Do you think the offense is going to look better simply because they're playing Wake Forest and Stanford, two, you know, one really bad defense and one at least below average defense in the one they're going to face this week? Do you think that they'll just look better because the defenses are going to be worse? Yeah, that's ultimately what I'm kind of afraid of is they'll look better and this will kind of alleviate the biggest question or issue on Marcus Freeman's hands temporarily. It, it would be like a Band-Aid, I guess, these last two games is temporarily, you know, stopping the bleeding and, and looking potentially good um, against some of these, you know, like you said, lesser defenses. And I think I think it would be a combination of playing lesser defenses. And I truly believe that this team had, over the bye week, had to do some sort of tinkering, whether it's major, whether it's minor, they didn't do nothing. I know Marcus Freeman just didn't allow them, based off his press conference and knowing who Marcus Freeman is, I don't think they did nothing over the bye week, right? Like, they had to add some other layers or tinkering into it, and I think that combined with playing some lesser defense, you you might see, or you're going to see better performance in these last two games. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. 
And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Notre Dame has just two games left in the regular season, and this weekend is the home finale against Wake Forest. If you're looking for last-minute tickets to either game or to your favorite concert or comedy club, Game Time is the place for you. With killer deals on last-minute tickets and their best price guarantee, you can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for the fun you'll have. Forget planning months in advance. Game Time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. Get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball games, concerts, comedy shows, theaters, and more. The Game Time Guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section or and row for less, Game Time will credit you 110% of the difference. It's the fastest-growing ticket app in the country for a reason. Get images of your seat before you buy so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. Buy tickets in a matter of seconds. Two taps and you're set. Tickets are sent directly to your phone so you never have to dig through your email. Snag the tickets without the stress with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code IRISH for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code IRISH for $20 off. Download the Game Time app today. Last minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. That's GameTime.co. I mean, and, and Michael Hahn backs up my point. He says, to be fair, according to uh, F+, Plus, Notre Dame has played six defenses in the top 44, five in the top 25. And that is kind of part of my point. But at the same time, it's like, there, there is still, like, you look at, at USC and Pittsburgh in back-to-back games, and again, like, you had to rely on 10 total turnovers forced by the defense as well as the two special team, three special teams, no, two special teams plays in those <laughs> games, you know, to really, to make it look a lot more lopsided. Like they needed, they needed the offense though, to help pick up the slack against Clemson against one of those good well, defenses. They need the de- they needed the defense to generate some of that. They weren't unable, you know, they were unable to get it against Clemson. Like that's what happens if you have to rely on that so heavily. Well, I think to, and this, you know, thank you to, to Michael for bringing, you know, introducing that kind of stat into the chat. Because again, that goes back. And I'm to, surprised he knows about defense because he's a New York Giants fan and they play so little defense. But <laughs> oh, <laughs> I like that that you just snuck that in there. But again, it goes back to if you know you're going to be playing some of these tougher defenses, you have to have you know stuff ready for them ultimately. And I think that you know based off what you were just saying and what Marcus Freeman was getting at in his press conference, him team football to him is how the offense, the defense, and the special teams is contributing to the overall field position battle, even if you're not scoring touchdowns. And so it, it it's simply if, if the offense wasn't going to score touchdowns, I get that. You're not going to score every time, every drive that you get the ball. Like I wish you would, and I think you could do better things during those drives, but you're the simply put, you're not going to score every drive. But that's even the frustrating part is the offense wasn't even doing enough to get a couple drives consistently going and get that field position off their hands, essentially reset the field position. I think that's not, that was a very frustrating aspect against Clemson is not only was it was Notre Dame not scoring you know when they when they had chances but they weren't even moving the ball they weren't getting first downs they weren't allowing their defense to rest they weren't allowing the special teams you know to flip the field and Marcus Freeman even said you know Clemson's average starting for field position was you know its own 41 Notre Dame's starting field position was its own 23 that's 18 yards of difference of of having to do nothing and so again you need the consistency of your offense to not only if they're not going to score, but at least move that ball, get a couple first downs and flip help that you field flip position. Field position. Yeah. And yeah. so that, you know, that's, I know that goes unnoticed, but that, that contributes to, you know, just a, a, a Clemson offense and already bad offense having some sort of advantage because all they need to do is get a couple run plays. And now they're close to like the 50 yard line. Right. And it's got Notre Dame's defense on its heels. So 
I just there 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 is a disconnect right now of, of not even just scoring, but like I said, consistently getting first downs, and I think that's also very concerning. Yeah, especially you know again considering when you look at these statistics and where they are rushing the football, and you've got Audric Estime and and the whole thing on paper. It looks fairly good. And someone, you know, has brought up the fact the offensive line, semifinalist for the Joe Moore Award today. The quarterback, semifinalist for the Davy O'Brien Award today. But like when you look at how it actually looks on the field, that's not what we're seeing. You know, again, you can say, okay, they played some of the better defenses. That's great. But I mean, championship Pittsburgh, teams have enough Pittsburgh, to beat those to get enough points, essentially. Yes, and like Pittsburgh managed to beat Louisville, you know. I, I just and look at what Duke has become since Notre Dame played him. It's it's not like Duke has has torn up the world since then. So well, let's get into some of Marcus Freeman's comments on the offense from his press conference yesterday, and then we'll kind of react to what we hear from him with the uh, the whiteboard looming in the near future for us. So he was asked about the priorities, his team's priorities during the bye week, and he broke it down, offense, defense, special teams. For the purpose of today's exercise, we are only talking about the offense. So that is the part of the answer that we are going to play, um, with the exception of the fact that it looks like I don't have that right now. So I can't, I don't, I don't know exactly what happened to that. I really I took to great notes. So if you need me to give my best Marcus well, Freeman and he basically, he basically in this, in this particular comment, he said that Sam Hartman needs to make the layups is, is kind of, what he said, which is, you know, a little bit reminiscent of things that we used to hear about Ian Book sometimes. Make the layups and you'll be fine. Uh, so what do you what do you what do you think about that part? Yeah, so I think offensively, Marcus Freeman talked about, you know, essentially take what the defense gives us. And if that means, you know, converting on some layups, like you mentioned, you can't be afraid to just take your layups and it's really funny because last night I was listening. I always listen to the the Manning cast when I watch Monday Night Football, just because I feel like I learn a lot of stuff. And I was listening to Eli talk last night, and I mean, we all know Josh Allen, right? Like the gunslinger, he wants to push the ball downfield, he wants those big plays. But all Eli Manning kept saying last night is, you know, if these guys are going to play this sad coverage, hit your layups, hit your your quick slants, your under routes, your you know your ins and outs, whatever that might be hit those layups because as soon as they start respecting those layups, that's when you can start to hit the deep stuff over the top. Okay. So that does lead me to the one that I know that I have here because he talked a couple of weeks ago about the need to get more shots downfield. Like we've got to be, you know, taking more shots downfield. And then in the comment that we were just talking about, he says, well, we need to hit, the layups, take what the defense gives us, which if you go back to the start of the season, that's exactly what Sam Hartman was doing, taking exactly what the defense was giving him. That's why there was no alpha dog wide receiver. And, you know, the receiving production still right now is spread out all over the place. But that is a shift he, because he said one thing a couple of weeks ago about deep shots. And now he's essentially talking about making the layups. So here's what he had to say execution right and and um you know we want to be aggressive we want to push the ball downfield at times but what we can't have is three and outs and we can't have a lack of execution and success and so um if we're able to push the ball downfield and and complete or not complete it but then continuous to establish drives and move the ball then i'm okay with it but when we're we're not moving the ball or truly um changing the field position or getting the points on the board that we need, then it's my job to come in and say, okay, what do we have to do to be efficient on offense, right? What do we have to do to make sure that we are moving the ball at a consistent basis on the offensive side of the ball? Okay, Jess. So what do you think when you hear that? Yeah, I think that, again, Marcus Freeman is, you know, he, he's all about taking the deep shots, 
but the deep shots have to you, you can't force deep shots when they when you're not moving the ball as is, right? You can't take shots downfield when on first down you run a play, you, you run a run play, you get one or two yards, now you're in second and eight, and maybe you take a deep shot downfield instead of taking a layup and getting three, four yards. So you're setting yourself up for a third and three instead of like a third and eight, right? And so I think that's ultimately what Marcus Freeman is getting at. Yeah, sure, take your deep shots, but they have to be there and they have to be a result of, you know, wearing the defense down with your consistency of your running attack, your underneath passing, and that's what's, you, you know, they're going to start cheating up a little bit. And that's when you kind of hit those deep shots downfield. But I think Marcus Freeman is not in the business of taking deep shots that kill drives and you're not moving the ball consistently. Bro, I'm saving the play action comment, the play action response for last. So that's, but it's like all those things. It's like, that's what I think has everyone so frustrated when you have been so successful running the football and there's a lack of play action. But look, I know that comparing NFL and college offenses can be dicey, even though I think right now they are as similar probably as they have ever been, you know, college to pro with, with the way things are run, because you've got, you've got so many, you know, one, there's a lack of, of, of true franchise quality quarterbacks across the board in the NFL. And so you've got a lot more college type guys who are successful and you're seeing some of those, you know, more of those offensives being implemented in the NFL, I think as part of the result of that. But the bottom line is get the ball to your playmakers, right? Like yeah, there, there's discussion right now. And, but you know, that Buffalo just fired Ken Dorsey, their offensive coordinator after last night. And there's all this talk about, Stefan Diggs is up like they're they weren't using Stefan Diggs, their best playmaker, their best wide receiver enough. I mean, you go across the board, Philly targets A.J. Brown, you know, Justin Jefferson, obviously, before he was injured, was was a high volume target. Jamar Chase, Travis that Kelsey was the next word out of my mouth. Jamar Chase, obviously, uh, Tyreek Hill, you know, and Jalen Waddle down in in Miami. Puka Nakua with the Rams. He said something to the Cowboys. Well, and that's how has you and I have talked about this. How has the, how have the Cowboys swung their offense over the last few games? They're they giving going C, to... they're finally giving <laughs> CD Lamb high volume looks. They're they're getting him the ball. They're finding it. So I guess my question to you is, who is who's shown in this Notre Dame offense that? that he is the playmaker on this team. It's Chris, Chris Tyree. Tyree. It's been Chris Tyree for the last two years. Last year, he was still a running back, and they weren't finding him enough. Now he's a wide receiver. The most catches he has in a game this season is four, and that was last game against Clemson when they lost. He's averaging 2.3 receptions per game. <laughs> I mean, is it as simple as, look, just run the offense through Chris Tyree and work out from there? Does it need to be more difficult than that, especially when you've got a back like Audrick Estime also in the backfield? I think a good combination or cocktail on offense would be working your offense through Audrick Estime and Chris Tyree because before you even before you even said Chris Tyree, you know, I kind of said Chris Tyree at the same time. And, and I, the reason I say that is you look at all the advanced stats, like, you know, um, what player is adding the most points per play once targeted or when they catch the ball? That's Chris Tyree. Which player has the most added EPA per play? That's Chris Tyree. Which player has the highest explosive rate, uh, you know, in the, in the Notre Dame offense? That's Chris Tyree. And so what do you, you have to find ways to get your playmakers the ball or run your offense through the ball and not to, you know, tease or get in because there's other stuff we're going to talk about, but that's kind of like the focus of looking into the whiteboard today is and Marcus Freeman alluded at it like three different times in his press conference um in my opinion and, and when you this one that you're talking about right now um you know bi-week priorities and need to take more shots when he talks about the bi-week priorities he literally said we need to get the ball into our playmakers hands well right. if you're not getting the ball into your playmakers hands then what that's, are you doing that's why I wanted to use that cut but then I for some reason <laughs> Don't have it sitting here ready to go. My bad. But go but ahead. that's the Sorry. thing is at the beginning of the season, 
you know, that Chris Tyree wasn't your guy. He wasn't expected to be your guy at wide receiver because you didn't know what you're going to get out of him at wide receiver. But when you're six games in and you've shown something on film, why not add a wrinkle or a base formation to something that you've shown that's now drawn up to get Chris Tyree the ball, right? right. And especially right. all these run formations that they come out in. If if, if you're running 80% out of this formation and Audrey Gessman has ripped off a couple good runs, why don't we scheme up a design out of this exact look that has Chris Tyree in it where now he's slipping out for a pass because you've shown nothing but run on the previous six games coming out of this formation. So that is kind of the essence of what I think Notre Dame's offense needs to get into really and what I wanted to kind of show you know, in, in some of the whiteboard stuff here in a little right. bit. We'll get to that. We're getting closer to the whiteboard. Whiteboard is coming. Tease. We're teasing the whiteboard. Slow tease on the whiteboard today. Uh, Sam Hartman, though, has obviously looked like a different quarterback. And look, it's not like this guy hasn't seen good defenses before. I mean, you, you look at his, at his history. Yes, he was in a different offense in the whole thing. But here's what Marcus Freeman had to say about Sam Hartman. You know, I think it's it's a accumulation of things. Um, the thing you love about Sam is that he takes ownership of everything, right? And he's not passing blame. But as the as the head coach, you look and you watch and you evaluate, and and there it's it's accumulation of of you know we got to protect better, right? We got to protect Sam Hartman better. Um, we got to uh, be precise in the exact route details that we have. Um, Sam's got to make better decisions, as he'll he'll be the first to tell you. Uh, but it's not just one thing. Um, you know, obviously that's a talented defense we went against, and um, they did a good job. But we expect to be better, and we expect to perform better running and passing the ball, and uh, that's what we've been working at. He was 13 of 30 against Clemson. Last two games, no touchdowns, four interceptions. So what do you think about it? Yeah. So, you know, when talking about Sam, he brought up a good point, you know, protecting better, thought the offensive line struggled at times. I think that, you know, Marcus Freeman and dropback snaps was under pressure around 62% of the time, I want to say. So obviously you got to protect better. Um, he talked about precise route running, right? So he's, you know, get kind of saying, and to me that goes to young wide receivers, right? But that, that plays into, again, if you have young wide receivers or because of injuries, and now, you know, Mitchell Evans is potentially hurt. Why Why are you not – the wide receiver room from the from game one against Navy to game, you know, whatever against Clemson is a completely different picture. And you're running the same offense that you were trying to run game one with, you know, some of these wide receivers. And now this game against Clemson with some inexperienced wide receivers. So if you're worried about the precise route running of your wide receivers and you're worried about, you know, protection that's going on, then again, why are we not coming up with plays with the personnel that's out there this week? You know, maybe and not even new plays, adjusting because Marcus Freeman said it's not about new plays, it's about adjusting base formations. And right? they've kind of they've kind of said that base they, they've kind of said before that they're trying to play to the strengths of the guys they have out there, but it, it just that's that's not the way it looks, and that's not you know what we're hearing right now. Right. And so again, precise route running. What are you doing to help your younger wide receivers and the, the the skill guys who are on the field now? I feel like you're not you're not running things again. You're you're trying to run the mold of how it was at the beginning of the season to kind of what's naturally developed by the time we've played Clemson, and those two situations aren't the same. And so you know if your personnel is Faison, Chris Tyree, Greathouse, and Tobias Merriweather compared to you know Colsey. Jaden Thomas, Mitchell Evans, Tobias Merriweather, and maybe Chris Tyree at the beginning of the season, those are two completely different personnel packages. But you're still trying to run the same plays through these personnel packages. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, how are, again, how are you not doing things to better equip the, the, the personnel that's out there? Because Marcus Truman always talks about, again, we need to simplify the things for our players that are out there. But that right. doesn't feel like that's the case. I don't think you're, you're simplifying it for these younger wide receivers who you know have deficiencies, but you really don't have any other option to play because of, you know, limited depth and injuries that you've sustained. Well, look, I mean, Tobias Merriweather got a lot of talent. And has he had some inconsistency? Sure he has. But when you've got a guy that talented and you've got an offense 
that has struggled as much as it has to be consistent. You know, again, that's that's like another another guy, case in point, where you can say, well, he's only in his second year in the system. I, I just, I just, I don't, I don't buy that stuff anymore. Like, like either 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 you can or you can't, and either you're taking advantage of the of of the skill set of the guys that you have, or you're not. And if you're not consistent enough, you've got to find ways to get those guys to be a bigger factor in the offense. And and that's that's where the disconnect to me really seems to be based on all that stuff you're talking about. And Jeff Brown says, you know, reminds him of, uh, you know, meet meet the new boss, same as the old boss, the who song that um, same stuff talking about execution and on and on. And it. It has crossed my mind that we're, you know, like these last few weeks, we're starting to hear some, you know, familiar choruses of things that we used to hear. And it is a little bit concerning right now. Okay. So this last one, before we get into your whiteboard, it's going to be a little bit longer. Uh, The question was about the lack of play action in Notre Dame's offense. Hartman's lack of aptitude using play action and his ability to make reads after the snap. And if the transition from the Wake Forest slow mesh has maybe been more difficult than they would have anticipated. You know, again, like you look at the start of the season, it sure didn't look that way. And that and that's part of the problem as well. Regardless of the defense that you're playing, it's still, it, it just looks like there's some kind of disconnect with how the quarterback is able to operate. So that's what we're going to hear from Marcus Freeman right now. You know, if, if if we could guarantee running play action passes were going to get us first downs and yardage, we would do it, you know, and, and that's what we all have to understand. And I'll, I'll, and I'll keep going on this question, but we all have to understand it. Like if there was a quick fix, an easy answer, just do this and you're going to win and get first downs, we all would do it. You know, that's why this game of football is so frustrating because you try to do things that you believe are going to help you have success and they don't always guarantee to have success. Right. And so the biggest thing I think with Sam is that, you know, he's still in the first year of a completely different system. And the problem is you have so much success early, right. That it's like, Oh man, he's just mastered this system. We're good to go. He's made every perfect read and, and those type of things. And then you play some really good defenses and we haven't performed as well, you know, and, and the challenge is to always figure out why, what are we doing? What do we have to do to make sure that we can help him make the right decisions, right? And and sometimes it takes negative things happening to say, okay, all right, we can't just do that. We can't just take the one-on-one every time. Maybe we do have to take this free access throw that they're giving us um, to have success. You know, we want to win the 50-50 balls. We haven't won them right now, you know? So how do we continuously find ways to say, to help Sam in his decision making, right? Because Sam's going to do exactly what you tell him to do, right? To, to, how do we find ways to help him um, make decisions that will help our offense continuously have success? Because I've never been around a person that works as hard as him in terms of trying to make sure he understands what we want from him, but also what the defense is presenting. I mean, it's not a lack of work ethic. And we got to do things as coaches and players around him to help him have success because he is a talented, talented individual that um, it's hard because he's only going to have 12, 13, ga- 12, 13 games in this new system. And uh, But it, that's not always going to be a reflection of how good of a player Sam Hartman is, you know. And, and there's a reason why he had so much success at Wake Forest because you're in that same system for five years. You know, there's no guessing what your wideouts are going to do. Right. And, and part of the game at quarterback is, OK, understanding that the wideout has a couple decisions to make within the coverage, within the leverage. And so when it's a new system, new wideouts, maybe they're not always on the exact same page. And so that's our job as coaches is to eliminate the choices, right, to eliminate the gray. If, if, if we can't be on the same page, let's eliminate the options and say, here's one option. Do this. That doesn't always mean we're going to have a whole bunch of success throwing the ball down the field and just moving it for touchdowns, but it does help us in terms of creating efficiency as we move the ball forward. Okay, so a lot there, again, because that was a long response, but but there was a lot there. You know, some of the things that he said, 
Hartman's in the first year in a completely different system. And I've seen the the comment that JU uh, made. And, you know, part of the issue with Hartman, he's learning a new system. If we go back to the portal for another quarterback, won't we end up with the same dileva, dilemma? Very possible. Um, but, you know, Freeman also said, got to win 50-50 balls. They really don't throw a whole lot of 50-50 balls. Uh, find ways to help him make decisions, to help the offense eliminate the choices is what he was talking about there at the end. And that's kind of what you were talking about earlier, Jess, was was sort of simplifying things and, and you know, if, if, straight up playing to the strength <laughs> of the guys that you have. Yeah, so, you know, when I was listening to that, it, to me, it's it's a little it's a little funny because this is now the first time we're being introduced to, well, you know, Sam Hartman played in a system for five <laughs> years and right. he mastered that system. And so there's no guessing in that system, which I get. Right. And so, you know, you come in and now you're running a completely new system. Right. And you have not only you running a new system, but you have, again, younger wide receivers and inexperienced wide receivers, right? Like Thomas and Colsey were your veterans, but they didn't have a lot of game experience to them. And so when you introduce that and you introduce, you know, an offense, like Marcus Freeman said, where a lot of these, you know, these routes are choice routes and the wide receiver has basically two routes, depending on coverage. Well, when that's the case, you got to be on the same page as your quarterback. Right. And so they're working on Sam Hartman in a new offense you know, no longer running a slow mesh and Sam Hartman running an offense with wide receivers that he's also not mess, meshed with before. Right. And so now you add in again, the injuries, and now we're going through a whole new process again of Mar of Sam Hartman, you know, getting into a mesh with these wide receivers. And I think that's where you've seen some of the disconnects with Rico Flores is like, like Freeman said, they have to eliminate that gray area for these younger wide receivers. It no longer needs to be, okay, there's two options based off of this route That's or this coverage. That's not working anymore to this point. You need to run precise routes, one option, and get rid of any ambiguity or any gray area because of what you have with the personnel. And again, this all, this all to me goes back to personnel you had at the beginning of the season, middle of the season, the personnel that you're, that you're, at, that you're in now. And what are you doing to allow Sam Hartman to play to his best abilities? And what are you doing to eliminate the thinking for your young wide receivers? And that's, that's that's just been the deficiency of Jared Parker is he hasn't adapted to those conditions. And like I said earlier, he showed a lot of things early on. And now he's making these young guys, Sam Hartman, run this same offense that's been on been on film the entire season. Right. And so you've done literally nothing to change. You've made no adjustments of your own. Right. Changing around you. Right. And I think that's got to be the biggest um, the biggest, I think, failure of the season. And, you know, yeah, Sam Hartman didn't play his greatest. There, there were times where you would have liked Sam Hartman with his experience, five years of being a starting quarterback to pull you out of some of those holes, to make up for your lack of experience at wide receiver, to make up for, you know, lack of whatever, given the situation. But he hasn't. And that's also been a contribution you know, to, to me to, and, and to this whole offense of, you know, Jared Parker not really adapting either, right? And so Jared Parker not adapting, Sam kind of not doing as much as we thought he would has led to a very bland and stagnant offense the last four weeks. He's had three multiple interception games in the last four games. He never had a cluster like that in his five years at Wake Forest. Like I'm I'm looking back as we speak right now to kind of double check this. He never had a cluster like that at Wake Forest. Did he have some multiple interception games? Yes. You know, and so there was some ups and downs. Yeah, he played in that system the whole time. But it the system shouldn't matter as much right now when you have a quarterback of that kind of experience because he should know how to read a defense he should know how to you know know where his wide receivers are going to be or consistently anticipate some things but i agree with what you're saying all these other variables have changed around them and they have not made any adjustments of their own 
you know, in this self scout. They want to stay in their base formation still and, and right. not really tinker with right. anything and say, well, we need to execute better and block better. And our wide receivers need to run more precise routes and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. That, see, that's just not the, like you, you can't do that. In my opinion, if you want to stay in your base, base formations, that's great. But start introducing wrinkles that you haven't shown on film. Introduce right. new things because now you know what that does too. instead of one base formation play. You start running a second base formation play that you haven't run. And then two weeks later, a team has to prepare for two new looks and you introduce a third play out of base formation. And so now the defense has three plays to worry about instead of, you know, one that they thought that, you you know, based on what you showed, you know, earlier in the season. It shouldn't be that complicated, especially for a sixth year guy. But at the same time, look, there's a reason Sam Hartman was available after six years. Now, a big part of it was because of the offense that he played in. And, it, you know, like he had to show that that he could have some success in a more traditional pro style offense. He obviously had a lot of early success, but as we've, you know, chronicled, like the adjustments have not been made as they have gone along. And it it, it looks like, you know, they're they're just it 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 looks as much like he is as you know as as big a part of the problem as all these other variables that we're talking about, just because he looks very slow in a lot of his reads. But again, how much of that is because they have become so predictable. And I, I saw, I think we might've talked about it at the time from last month, there was a tweet from Dan Orlovsky and I saw somebody sharing it today with Tim Priester where Dan Orlovsky said, Notre Dame's offense is way, way, way too stagnant and static pre-snap very little help to players to go win slash get open. And now we did start to see some more motion and stuff like that for a time, but it's just, just like everything. It's, it's very sporadic. It almost seems like there's some grab bagging going on at times. Yeah. You know, and, and I think when you get into it, you know, the, the combination of, Jared Parker being a first-time offensive coordinator. Sam Hartman being a first-time quarterback in a pro-style offense. Sam Hartman also not being probably the level of quarterback that you anticipated, all combined with going against, like Michael said earlier, some of some of the more high-end defenses in college football. That's all, you know, those are all contributing factors, unfortunately. And I think mm-hmm. that's that's, you know, if there's a pie, you know, those are different portions or serving sizes of the pie. But I guess what would be up for debate is how big each portion is to you individually. Right. right. So. All right. So, Jess, you've got your whiteboard. Do you want to break it out? Show us what yeah. you got. So uh, I'll prep the, the first thing I'll preface with this first one is. Notre Dame against Clemson, you know, didn't execute early on in the short down situations. They kicked a lot of early field goals. Right. That really came back to bite them. We've seen this, a pro- you know, this was a problem against Ohio State. We've seen it against Louisville. Um, you know, you could probably find an instance in just about every game not being good or efficient in short down situations. Right. And so I've kind of presented this idea to you before. Um, in the past of I love this formation that Notre Dame introduced uh, when they got down into the goal line. You know, what, what would you call this? Like a full house? Um, yeah, probably maybe, a full house. Maybe a diamond if you're taking it quite literally. Um, but what I have here is Notre Dame has gotten into this formation a lot in the goal line. So you're in, you know, you, you have center, the balls in the middle of the field, um, quarterbacks under center. He's got two tight ends uh, in a three-point stance, uh, basically, you know, two, three yards off the ball. Lined up as a couple of fullbacks, basically. Basically a couple fullbacks. And then you have a tailback, you know, right behind Sam Hartman, who's under center four or five uh, yards deep. And then you have two tight ends, one on each side, kind of, uh, you know, packing this uh, down in a little bit, right? And so why I bring this play up is – kind of you know what I was talking about earlier you've shown this play on tape and you've done nothing but run out of it right and so if you're Jared Parker and you're Marcus Freeman and Marcus Freeman made the comment of it's not about coming up with new plays it's about tinkering the plays that we already have so 
if this is your base formation, I don't see what's stopping you from doing a simple play action, you know, to your running back here. And basically you just flood it with three different, you know, kind of, um, or basically you just run a flood concept where all three of these guys, fullback, tight end, and running back are just running basically a levels concept, right? Off a of play action. Cause you have tight end on the end of line of scrimmage. You have Holden stays probably back here in the backfield. Who's a very good pass catcher. Um, and, and has shown that he's dynamic once he catches the ball. And so, again, why not sell a hard play action and, you know, again, leak all of these guys out into, into a concept like this, right? And so that's just, again, one idea that I had off yeah. of this. I think another one that you could Hold easily get into. Tim, 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 Tim B asked if it was wing T. It's not wing T because if it was wing – you would literally have like two guys offset in the backfield, you know, at the ends of the line of scrimmage as wings. And then you would have, uh, you know, just the fullback in the backfield. It's almost like an inverse wishbone because in the wishbone formation, you would have, uh, you know, the, the guy who's the furthest most back, you would have the, you know, him up at the front and then you would have the other two backs set behind him instead so it's you know again it's kind of like an inverse wishbone basically is is sort of the best that i could do but a wing t you know again would literally have on the outsides there outside the tackles it would have halfback you know slash receiver type bodies you know who are who are playing back in the backfield you know off the uh off the outside of the tackles basically or tight end if you had a tight end on the field as well yeah, so you know that was just one concept, and I, I another one I liked a, a, you know a little bit better is what I think Notre Dame should do with its slots is you basically just kind of scissor both of these um, tight ends across the field, and then what that does is creates a lot of confusion in the middle because everyone in the middle is thinking run, and in terms of you know these linebackers right, and so. When you, when you hit a hard play action and now both of these tight ends are crossing faces of each other and these linebackers, there has to be communication of who's taking who. And, and primarily in this instance, it's probably going to be man-to-man, right? And so if you can cross these guys um, and, and, you know, basically run, you know, again, like a scissor route or, you know, two guys kind of running, um, what are they, like deep, um, kind of like deep over routes, and then you can work these same tight ends kind of, again, another levels concept on each side. And, you know, if you hit your running back in some sort of play action, he's probably going to get sucked up and, and fall into, you know, a, a man kind of coverage in here as well. So that's another security blanket of everything's, you know, covered up. You can dump it down um, to your running back. But again, this I think the more confusion you can cause of crossing routes, getting across the linebacker's face in what's probably a man situation where they're really expecting run and you've shown nothing but run. I think this is just the, the right amount of confusion where someone has to be open, right? Now where, where are you running this? Are you running this in the red zone or like, is this, I would, I would love this in the red zone, but I would also love this in any short down situation because okay. again, short you've shown yardage. nothing, That's but you're saying, gotcha. Yeah. You've shown nothing, but, but uh, run out of this. So why not do just some sort of, play action run concept. And that's, that's what I was showing is different kind of play action run concept. So that's, that's the first because idea. Because they've struggled so much in short yardage situations as well. Yeah. A lot of short yardage situations where I think they overthink um, and, and, you know, against Clemson, they motioned and, and piled everything in and then just ran it right up the gut. Like not, that's not what everyone was in the stadium was literally expecting. So, right. Why not? If you bunch it in, just hit that play action and, and, leak out some of these tight ends and running backs, someone's going to get open. I promise you. Um, so that was, that was one way of looking at it. The next way, and this way is a lot more fun. This is, this is uh, I drew inspiration from Peyton Manning on this one. Actually. <laughs> um, I was listening to a podcast called smartless. That's basically the crew of arrested development. And they had Peyton Manning on, and right. Sean Hayes, right. And Sean Hayes. And so really great. Um, if you if you if you enjoy football, I would listen to that Smart List podcast. It has Peyton Manning on it, and again, it just just found a way to learn something I hadn't realized before. And so, again, before before you get into that, you know, we were just talking a little bit about 
like the, the, that last soundbite we had from Marcus Freeman was about play action. He really didn't address, you know, he was like, well, if we, you know, thought that we could have success, we would do it. Why do you think they haven't run play action more this year? Because when you've got a team that has been as successful as they have running the football, play action should work. Like, why do you think it's because Sam Hartman is not adept enough at it? And why isn't he adept enough at it? Is it a matter of like too much eye movement for him? And it's like he's not able to make that read the way he does. Why do you think that? that they haven't run play action more. Um, yeah. So when, when Marcus Freeman was asked about it, I think what, what you could, you know, make out of a conclusion or draw a conclusion from is Sam Hartman hasn't been comfortable. You know, that slow mesh offense is a, a definitely way different than a pure kind of play action um, type handoff. And, and a lot of times when you have play action, you know, the, the quarterback's back is to the defense. And I think that is, probably the part that that really gets to Sam Hartman is on the play action you fake obviously you have to fit you have to sell a really good handoff and part of that as a quarterback is again turning your back to the defense and mm -hmm. acting like you're going to hand the ball off and so in that instant I think while his back is turned and by the time he gets potential and this is just me speculating by the time he gets you know his eyes turned back around and his feet set I don't know if he feels comfortable enough with losing what's going on and then having to regain Find what's going on. Yeah. But I mean, if you're going to be a quarterback at any level, you got to be able to master that skill. So I don't find that as an excuse or a crutch for Sam Hartman. And if that's the case, then again, maybe Sam Hartman really isn't as good of a quarterback as we all initially thought. All right. So what's this next slide that you have for us? So on this one, Again, it's that same formation that we just looked at. Um, I'm looking at it again in the goal line and any short yardage situation. So what I like about this is what you would do in this instance is you would come out in a run play, right? I think you would call a run play because that's what they do in this formation. That's what Marcus Freeman uh, has the tendency and Jared Parker has a tendency to do in these situations. But why not go, you know, blah, 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 run play, X, blah, 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 pass play, and so you get to the line of scrimmage and whatever that run play is, say you don't get the look that you want. Well, the X simply means explode. And so Sam Hartman immediately gets into, you know, uh, again, audibling or having that second look of saying, hey, I don't like the run look here. Let's explode out and get, you know, some of these, maybe get our wide receivers uh, and, and tight ends here and like a two by two look. And now we're both split out. And again, I don't, this doesn't have to be the craziest play design ever, but when you go explode in this situation, and, and again, you've shown nothing but run when coming down in this condensed formation, the defense has to panic. They, who's going to come out here? How are they going to adjust and get guys out here mm -hmm. uh, so quickly, right? And so if you get out, if you get up to the line of scrimmage quick and you get into this explode call, Everyone explodes out. You all, as soon as they become set, you can run their play because I guarantee these defensive backs and linebackers have no clue how they're going to make an adjustment, and they're also adjusting on the fly. All you would really need to do is probably just throw like a tunnel screen to one of these tight ends out here and allow the other tight end to lead block for you, and it's game over, right? Like that's to me simple offense of you're not really doing anything but coming into the huddle with two play calls. You don't get the one that you like. You explode, and it's again not this crazy play. It's just a ball to, as as Kirk Herbstreit would say, extension of the run game. Just get the ball out quick to one of these guys on the perimeter, and trust that you know Holden Stays can get a block and, and potentially make one guy miss. So that's just another way to me to look at this for Notre Dame is is coming out in one way, showing eye candy, and again I, I have to credit Peyton Manning. The exploding. I never knew that's what it was called. And, and exploding out into these other formations. No, that makes sense. And again, I would find number four as much as possible when doing so. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a 
happy price. Go to your happy price, price line. It's only a kick, a jump, a block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle, a run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Right, like maybe Chris Tyree comes in, you know, he's your back out here now, right? And maybe instead of Audric and this is Chris Tyree, you run, you know, again, you, these guys, these tight ends out here just hit a block, hit a block. Chris Tyree hits a swing. Now you're probably man on man with someone over here and just trying to get to the edge as quickly as possible. Right? Well, and you know, look, I saw someone talking earlier when we were talking about Chris Tyree about how they use him as a decoy. And to a large extent, I think that that's true. And, you know, just, just go back when they lined up Tyree and Faison side by side, like I talked about and how they were able to use Faison, you know, like, you're going to make the safety make a choice when you line those two guys up next to each other. It it, it doesn't have to be much more simple than that. You can use fate because of the speed that Faison has. You can use him as a decoy and and really set up Chris Tyree for big plays. Yeah, and that kind of leads me. Um, I have two more. All Maybe right, we have time for two more. Oh, we got time. We got time. All right, let me. Let me stop sharing these. I know, you know, I just feel like Notre Dame has left a lot of points on the board in some of these short. They get into the red zone. They get a, a third and short, fourth and short, and they unfortunately fail. And so that's a look where I'd like to see them get more creative based off of, you know, essentially what they've shown so far. And so this next look um, goes into kind of the same category, right? Um this was Audric Estime's first big run of the game where he hurdled two guys. I think that makes it a pretty easy um, play to pinpoint. You go, They go in this pistol look, and just about every time they're in pistol, it seems to be a run. Um, they pull the left guard and left tackle to the field side. You have ball on the left hash. Um, double tight, so you have two tight ends on the line of scrimmage. Two wide receivers out to the right, and again, Sam Hartman and the running back are in a pistol formation. All I would like to see in this is pre-snappy. I got eight guys in the box. So, unfortunately, the run play worked out. But based off some kind of simple math over here, you got a tight end, two wide receivers, basically man-on-man because the tight end is going to be covered by the safety, and these two wide receivers have a corner over them. So, if I'm, you know, again, Jared Parker, this is a a base formation, and I bring this up because it's a base formation that they like to run out of a lot. If I'm Marcus or if I'm Jared Parker, I show the pulling action, I show the run action, I fake the run action, I use my inside wide receiver of probably Faison or Chris Tyree to run a deep post over the middle of the field. You know, that occupies the safety, that occupies the corner. Mm-hmm. I think also your tight end can, you know, run some sort of um, maybe he just sits down in this hole, you know, depending on what the safety does. And then I think you run off this other corner kind of on a streak. So now we have men on men on the outside. And then last but not least, when you fake to this running back, he can leak out to the flat in a man concept. So I guarantee no one's doubt in this flat or it's a linebacker or a defensive end trying to compensate and, you know, make up some ground. And you have, again, a one-on-one matchup. You have your running back probably in a one-on-one matchup in the flat and you vacated the zone, you've gotten the safety in the other corner out of the picture by just simply kind of running them off. So that's another kind of concept I'd like to see Notre Dame do because, again, you've shown nothing but run out of this. You've shown in the first play of the game, Audric Estime bruised these guys on this run play. So why not show the same thing and run a simple pass concept off of it? Makes perfect sense. All right, that I don't is know what else to say about that. I mean, that's <laughs> but that's the kind of stuff, you know, those are the simple adjustments that they could have and should have been making all season long but that we have not seen from this offense. That's what's so confounding about this offense and where it is right now and why it's not all on Sam Hartman. Correct. And then this is 
This would be uh, my last, my last board of the day. This one is like, I know Marcus Friedman talked about, like, you know, base formations. We're not introducing new plays, but the the fundamental basis of my argument all show has been, you have a, a personnel of a wide receiver, a group of wide receivers now that is vastly different than the beginning of the season and their skill sets, right? And so, what am I doing? to optimize or get my best players on the field all together at the same time. And so if we're looking at this formation right now, it is middle of the field, um, shotgun, or sorry, yeah, Sam Hartman's in shotgun, trips to the right, single wide receiver to the left, and running back is also split out to the right um, in shotgun. And I think in order to do this kind of formation some justice, I'd like to say who, you know, who, who I'd like at each spot. Okay. I think this would be if this were me, this would be Tobias uh, Merriweather. So I'd put TM over here. I think that I would want Chris Tyree um, as the number three wide receiver to the to the to the right side or the first wide receiver closest to Sam Hartman. Um, next to him, I would have Jordan Faison, and then on the outside of this trio. Oh, come on, F. Um, I would go with either Jaden Greathouse or if great. Oh, whoa, that's that's a G. Jaden Greathouse. Quite a G there. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Or I would go with Braylon James um, at this point as well at this outside position. And, and I mean, so if you go Tyree, Faison and James, you got some serious wheels out there. You're right. And so that is. That's that, that's like the whole point of this is like just use the best things that you have now and find a way to make it super simple for him. And so if you put Chris Tyree, Jordan Faison, and Braylon James slash Jaden Greathouse all next to each other in a trips formation, that's already as a defense got me like, all right, what's about to happen? You know what I mean? Like this, this doesn't – there's a lot of guys on the field right now with some speed. And so not only can you run out of this trips formation, like you can – you can come up with any, not any, but you can come up with a nice route concept with, you know, a trips right that includes Chris Tyree, Jordan Faison, and Braylon James. But I think the really interesting part that adds a, another huge dynamic or layer to this to this potential offense is sending someone like Chris Tyree in motion, and that can be a jet sweep, that can be a fake jet sweep, that can be anything you want, or it can just be a simple motion. And now Chris Tyree is is made this a balanced look or a two-by-two two look on the other side. And now we're running Chris Tyree and Jordan Faison in slots and Braylon James and Tobias Merriweather and Jaden Greathouse as your combination of outside wide receivers. And the reason why I like Jaden Greathouse, Braylon James, and Tobias Merriweather on the outside is I think they're more of your sizable wide receivers, right? Those are more of your guys who you might throw a little bit of more of a 50-50 ball to. Um, and then you let you know Jordan Faison and Chris Tyree shred the middle of the field with their speed um, coming out of the slot. And so, and this hasn't even mentioned Rico Flores um, at all either. You know, he could be in this combination somehow, mm -hmm. but, you know, starting with Chris Tyree, the basis of all of this is starting Chris Tyree and Jordan Faison with each other on the field at the same time in a trips look right next to each other. And then adding a wrinkle to that is motioning Chris Tyree up to the other side. And so now you have Chris Tyree Jordan Faison on either side, probably two of the fastest guys on the field. And on the outside, you have bigger bodies, Tobias Merriweather, Jaden Greathouse, Rico Flores, Braylon James, whoever you want it to be, who are running more of your vertical, you know, kind of depth downfield type of routes. But I think you can, you know, you could go through endless possibilities of drawing up different plays out of these wide receiver sets. And that to me is the frustrating part, because if you're Jared Parker, it's not hard just to come up with a new run concept, right? The rest of the offense doesn't have to know anything else. Just tell your your offensive line to pass block just like they do any other right. time. But introduce new routes, simpler routes to this group of wide receivers where they're just running one route at a time. Don't give them choice routes. Don't give them any route that could potentially get them off the same page as Sam Hartman. But running, you know, again, maybe one-dimensional routes is the way to put it, but just allowing a personnel to work off each other's skill set and allow you know the most speed to be on the field at the same time because to me that's going to provide more confusion to the defense than running a route that might have two routes built into it. Absolutely.
Absolutely. And thanks for the super chat. Fort Wayne Irish he says, kind of seems like Jared Parker, Marcus Freeman started the year using the playbook. Reese left sitting on the desk. Once they reached the last page, the <laughs> well of ideas dried up. Yeah. And I mean, you can, and that's what I was also thinking about kind of you, you know, you can knock Tommy Reese all you want, but it's kind of crazy how we've gone from maybe a little bit too complicated to like, you know, give us more and, and Jared Parker, you know, give us a little bit more, um, you know, depth to this offense. So, you know, it's a little bit frustrating, um, but, you know, coming, like, finding ways to use personnel that is most advantageous to a stagnant offense to me has to be the top priority at this point. And so that's finding ways to get, you know, guys like Chris Tyree, Jordan Faison on the field together at the same time, allow everyone mm -hmm. to be dynamic and work off of each other. Great stuff, as always, with the whiteboard, Jesse. I know uh, a lot of people appreciate it, so thank you very much. I always feel like I need to chug a gallon of water every time we get done with this segment. <laughs> Wipes you out. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.